Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Broke and Ambitious with me, Francis Keaton, where I chat to a professional creative about how they got into the arts and how they managed to survive. We will be talking day jobs, good ones, bad ones, and the downright weird ones. And we'll be talking about how to stay creative on the side and any money-saving tips. My guest today is the actor and human rights activist Yasmin Garva. Yasmin grew up in Italy where she started acting at a local theatre company. She moved to London in 2014 and two years later co-founded her own human rights and arts company Performing Change. The company won Amnesty International's 2016 Marsh Award and toured three festivals including Edinburgh Fringe. In 2017, Yasmin graduated from Kingston University with a BA in Drama and Human Rights and was awarded the Human Rights Prize for her humanitarian work in theatre. Yasmin is also a fantastic illustrator and she is the artist behind the artwork for my podcast, Broke and Ambitious. I'd like to apologise for the sound quality of the podcast. This was recorded before I realised the importance of having a good acoustic room. Here is my conversation with Yasmin Garva. Hello, Yasmin. Thank you so much for coming today. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. I feel like I've held you hostage today because originally I invited you around for lunch and a podcast and you've been here for about three hours and we haven't done any podcasts. It's been great though. We've had lunch, we've had wine. We have had wine. (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully that will affect the uh, integrity of the podcast. Or it might in a positive way. Yeah. it'll, uh, It'll lubricate the flow of the conversation. Well, thank you for coming. And uh, from that introduction, you're very unique because you're an actor and a human rights activist. Yeah, but I don't think that's necessarily something that's unique. And a lot of people that I've met who are actors or who are just generally working in any creative environment, normally they have passions in, in politics and human rights and kind of in generally in more than one thing and I think that makes for a very interesting person it is stressful though (laughs) yeah because you've got not so much the human rights part but the when you have multiple interests and different art forms sometimes you don't or when you're a freelancer in general you don't really know where to fully put all your focus and could you tell me how you won the human rights award uh yeah in a way it was a bit by accident, I was um, the president of the uh, Amnesty International Society at my university, and I was very passionate about that. And it was all about just human rights and kind of coming up with different campaigns for it. Mm. And when we saw that there was this opportunity to apply for these awards, we thought, well, we might as well do something creative. And the people that were around me were also very creative people. And we decided instead of doing like a normal campaign or a, a traditional, let's say, campaign of you know, sitting somewhere doing a bake sale or something like yeah. that. Let's do a theatre show. Mm. And we applied with this idea of doing a theatre show and they loved it, apparently. <laughs> we won that competition and it was great because it not only gave us a sort of incentive to continue it, but it also gave us a bit of money to do so. That's um, brilliant. Yeah, so from that moment onwards, that theatre company created itself and and continued but it also propelled us to do more because we said, okay, there's something we can actually work with here. Yeah, yes. that is fantastic. I think it's really good when you're at an institution mm-hmm. and they have some kind of scheme 
with an external body or just internal that allows some students to then have a springboard, a platform to do something else after graduation. Yeah. So where did you move from and how did you first get into the performing arts? Uh, so I was born in Italy, in the north of Italy, mm-hmm. an hour away from Venice is how best I describe it. So romantic. Is, I know, you think that, but actually if you go to the town, you literally Shit get hole. greeted. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, this huge factory farm. Oh. And so the smell of uh, pig shit is in the air, especially in the summer. So that's Gorgeous. not great. And it's not this beautiful little romantic Italian town that people mm. imagine. But it was a small town. And in a way, I guess it's good perspective to grow up in a small place because then when you move somewhere bigger you understand where you came from and yeah living there there were local theatre companies and there were small little pockets of people that wanted to do something creative but it doesn't fully get given to you as an option the same way I guess you could at school drama isn't an option the closest you can get to art or any creative outlet is fine art which thankfully I am really passionate about as well yes but that was my outlet and then uh, my dad actually came home one day and said there's this local theatre company that's auditioning for their new theatre company if you want to join and I just went okay I'll do that and I I was reading Midsummer's Night Dream at the time yeah yeah I've prepared a monologue and I just ad-libbed this stupid monologue and you you freestyled Shakespeare freestyled Shakespeare and I don't know what my mum says she watched me and she said you looked so panicked that I thought you were having a mental breakdown (laughs) okay who were you playing I was playing the Titania no Helena Helena yes Helena Helena. oh she was famously neurotic exactly and I think her mental breakdown kind of translated into my mental breakdown and so they were like she's a great actress but actually they were just panicking they wanted to see mental health issues on stage or maybe they just went oh we need another woman I don't know (laughs) Uh, but anyway either or they they allowed me to then take part in the next performance and from that moment onwards and being on stage and kind of like being around other actors I went oh okay this is how you actually do it so I moved to to do university yes and that in a way I was so fed up with the people that I was living around and the mentality of that small town that was really getting to me yeah, just, the smell of picture the pig yeah <laughs> the picture was obviously not great <laughs> and so I just wanted to move out and move country and try something new and going to university was a great way of doing that in a safe environment and when I was looking at different opportunities and things that you could study there was drama obviously which I thought well that would be great because I've been doing this acting here and there but I never studied it formally Mm. and uh, at the same time there were these possibilities of doing joint courses so I did a joint course in human rights because of something that at the time especially at that point I was really really interested not that I'm not now but (laughs) no I really don't care but I you know when you have this fuel as a teenager where you're really angry rather than being angry at let's say my parents I was just angry at the system yes and like Italy's political system yeah I still really you am. could have joined an emo band I but you decided have. to study human I rights I did have my very small emo period though oh we all did uh, but yeah. completely okay and so when you were at uni in London was it a shock to the system surviving in the city I felt very, very inspired by the city, and I still do, and I think that's the thing that makes me want to still live here, is there's still places that I go, even like today, where I go, I've never been to this side of the city before, and coming from such a small town where you know everybody and you know every corner of it, to go somewhere where you can live there for five years and still go to areas where you've never been before, you could still get lost, Mm. and it's so international as well. And growing up, coming from 
a background where basically the only mixed family in that whole small town was uh, Turkish Italian yeah Turkish Italian and the fact that my mum was Turkish it had an impact on me because I Mm. saw her not being accepted in in that society that we were growing up you you grow up a bit different you know that you don't fully fit into one country but you don't fully fit in the other one and I don't fully feel like I fit in in England either but London is filled with so many people from mixed backgrounds or just generally from other countries that here I feel that everyone's such a mixed mash that you do fit in. It, it doesn't matter where you're from, it's just yeah. who you are as an individual and actually so many conversations spark from where are you from or what's your culture like and the, this confrontation between different cultures and understanding exactly. kind of what we can share. Yeah. Day jobs. What has been your best day job? My best day job, I guess any time I've had to do illustration or commissions. The best thing ever is when someone says, I just want a painting in my house and can you paint something for me? Wow. And that almost feels like I'm getting paid for this. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's my hobby or it's something I really love doing and being able to produce something and then give it to someone and it, that making them really happy and getting uh, money for it. So it you're feels, a commissioned artist. Yeah, but it's not happened to the point where I can call that my full-time day no. job, unfortunately. But still, it's really nice. That's fantastic. And how do you get these clients? Is it word of mouth? Or... Yeah, word of mouth, I guess. I've tried... I mean, I'm still doing Instagram and all of that. Yeah. Thing, and you try and stay relevant in this pool of giant <laughs> amounts of people that try yes. to do the same thing. But at the end of the day, it's word of mouth and people seeing your work here and there and friends talking to other people yeah brilliant but yeah i've had those jobs i've done translation work from italian to english and that's extremely boring yeah because what it, that can be fun if you're if you're translating like a film script yeah but normally the last one i did was paper bag company basically their website translating it from italian to english and i'm not going to blame the company that's what they do but it's not what I'm necessarily passionate about. Have you done any translation? I've done some translation work when I lived abroad in, in France because I did French at uni and one was for a kind of mountain museum which was just painful. Like just trying to find vocabulary about alpine hiking or like granite. I, do, I don't even know what I did but I think it ended up on the boards of a museum somewhere <laughs> in the Alps and I'm sorry to anyone who's been to that and was frustrated at the translation because it was horrendous. I had no idea what I was doing. What's been your worst day job? An internship. And I thought it was quite a cool thing to do because it was the same time when I had my theatre company and I was trying to get awareness out for, in that case, we were tackling kind of the idea of what's happening in Yemen, which is still unfortunately an ongoing problem. Mm. And we were going to a lot of these political events or debates and things like that. And we met, and during them, we met this guy that had this think tank. And he said, well, I'm always looking for, you know, young people to help me represent. To exploit. And and I organised talks in the House of Commons and all these like important people come. We were thinking, okay, we're going to try and get this guy to help us. And then it ended up being this weird interview slash rapey scenario where he was giving us wine. And I was just thinking... I don't like this and meeting in these expensive hotels and very expensive places and the whole experience felt very very uh, uncomfortable uh, 
the job itself was to to phone all of these people like embassies and and uh, directors of various companies and politicians or MPs and tell them that there's these events and to make sure that they follow up and that they come. And then the event itself was literally what everyone hates about politics, people just talking and talking and talking and not doing anything. Of course it was interesting. It sounds like he's from some kind of ancient Roman forum (laughs) and he's just getting all these young people together and he wants some kind of weird symposium slash orgy, yeah. And he's like, let's have some wine and discuss ideas. That's awful. That was awful. Oh, that was quite a dark, uh, sad day job. (laughs) What's been your weirdest day job? Weirdest day job, it's a mixture of what I do still now. Let's talk about that first. That's where I first met Yasmin. We were hired uh, to work at this museum. It's a very eccentric museum. We're in period dress. Yes. Which is kind of standard for an actor doing a day job. Usually you find yourself in some kind of weird costume. Period dress, as standard as it is, is something that really makes you question your life choices quite often. (laughs) I think it's just because it's such a ridiculous period dress and you tend to then do your mundane normal things in it as well because you stop caring like of course. your lunch breaks all my lunch breaks are in my period dress oh yes yeah, driving around I'm just sitting in press just in my completely period dress they've come to expect it I used to get a few free things from press because they'd yeah. be like oh how quaint oh you're wearing a jerkin and what's your other weird day job been? I've I've done sponsored walks in silly costumes <laughs> trying to raise awareness on this would you like to give us some money as you're sitting outside smoking outside a pub? Um, I'm dressed as a lion, by the way, in case you haven't noticed. No shame. <laughs> that was adorable. How do you manage to stay creative on the side? Because I know that you do a lot of art, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, with your commissions. Where's yeah, that? so I've only recently realised that I have to start monetizing all of my hobbies. I think it's something very relevant to our generation as I well. I read an article about this yesterday, but um, it's kind of sad because it's ruining your passion. Exactly, you because don't ever... even with my art, I'm kind of thinking also... What colour palette should I use for this drawing? Because what's going to look good on my Instagram? You know, it's an extreme example, but I have thoughts like that sometimes. Where I'm just thinking, business, I business. can't publish this now because it won't look good in the feed and all of these stupid things. Yes, or, or, or just people, generally, aren't, people aren't active now and I need to get those yeah, likes in. Yeah. Or just generally just people like illustrations of dogs at the moment. I don't know. <laughs> and so I'm going to do loads of illustrations of dogs and maybe someone will buy my art that way. So I have to stop thinking about my hobbies and things that make me happy as trying to make money. The two things I do is try and sketch and draw um, as much as I can. And then the other thing, and I think this is actually quite relevant to whatever kind of art you do, or even if you're not interested in art but you just feel like you're a creative person, is have a notebook and then... Whether you're writing, I don't know, your thoughts for the day or ideas or just want to scribble, having something to physically draw on or write on helps me a lot and it's quite therapeutic as well. And on the tube as well, I find myself doing that. And do you have any money-saving tips? I think just generally have a mindset of where everything comes from. So whether it's your food or whether it's your clothing or anything that you buy in your house or just generally... Uh, just know where it comes from and then know all of the processes of how it gets to you and then what happens to it after you throw it away. That, I would say, generally in life, try and adopt as a mentality. Because one, it makes you save money. And secondly, it's also best for the environment for the world that we live in. But I'd say in, in that regard, food, you don't need to buy ready-made meals. Just try and 
cook from scratch. I know that no one, not a lot of people like cooking, especially I've noticed that in this country. And generally as well, like, you know, repair socks if they break or Yeah, darn, darn those socks. Can exactly. you sew? I'm starting to. I have been given an embroidery kit for Christmas. because I want Sorry, to are you 93 that. years old? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Have Sorry, you, you look great. Thank okay. you. But on that note, if you go on Facebook, now I do sound like an 83-year-old woman. I've started putting, I'm interested in all of these events, even if they're not necessarily things I know that I will go to, because then the algorithm suggests things, and they'll suggest a lot of these events, and a lot of them are free, and a lot of them are like these little pop-up workshops, and cooking classes, and arts and crafts, things you can do, or music events, and they either maybe cost five or ten pounds max, or they're just free. And then see what your friends, for example, are interested in, or Mm. just go on the events page, you know, one day, and go, all right, search it, Put, I'm interested in loads of things and then slowly you keep getting suggested all these things. That's, That's quite like good. the best advice I've ever heard. That's genius. Yeah, someone told me that and I was like, oh. Take I control of the algorithm. Exactly. Turn it to good. Exactly. <laughs> but I did think of something else, by the way. Mm. Transport, cycle places or walk places. Yes. Because yes, London is big, but it's not that big. It might take you 30 minutes to walk somewhere, but it's worth it because gets your daily exercise but more importantly it's such a beautiful city you kind of bump into all these nice buildings and monuments and things that you never would have found otherwise because if you just live your commute of home work tube you live a very boring life and you don't experience all this all that that this city has to offer finally what would be your dream job i would love to be able to perform and or be an artist full-time let's say and Mm. that being my whole source of income and I would also like to have my own theatre company again and or just a, a general hub of people that I could then rely on and we could create things together and a space for that that would be amazing and that to then translate into being a community activity and a community hub again of people who not only work to create art but also create sense of union and and working together towards a better world that sounds like a very hippie dream but it is that's wonderful i'm sure you will brilliant well thank you so much yasmin (laughs) for joining us today thank you for having me oh you're welcome let's go and have some coffee and turn the lights on because it's very dark now it is (laughs) 